Hello and welcome to Always an Escrow with Serena Appel and Colby Birchin. Hello, Colby. Hey, Serena. How are you? I am fantastic and I am feeling great. We are speaking today with Ryan Beck, the director and co-founder of Body Art Training Studios. Ryan has had an extensive performing career dancing for Beyonce, the Black Eyed Peas, M-O-M-I-X, MTV, and more before moving to producing and directing for ABC, Equity Fights AIDS, Good Morning America, Celebrity Cruises, and the Hard Rock Cafe, among many others. With over 200 hours of ASFYT anatomy and kinesiology and 15, over 15 years teaching experience, Ryan is a sought-after international movement instructor and is the director and co-founder of Body Art Training Studios in New York City. Ryan, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to talk with you both, and I can't wait to drop in with your community and uh, share some knowledge about movement and sustainable longevity. Serena, I'm, I'm particularly excited because I know you and I both like to work out, but this is to another level. And I love his quote, enhance movements, elevate life. So can you tell us your background and how did you become interested in dance or movement therapy? Yeah, absolutely. So from a very young age, I uh, was interested in dance. I loved the physicality of dance. And it was an opportunity for me to express myself artistically, creatively. And at the same time, as you know, it's super highly physical. And I loved that um, visceral uh, experience of being in your body. And I grew up, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I was inspired by Britney and Christina. And that was my, those were my idols. And so, you know, you watch those videos of like, uh, genie in a bottle and, and oops, I did it again. And, and even further back, like Paula Abdul and Michael Jackson. And there's just this intense fire that dancers had. And so, um, you know, growing up, that was always very inspiring to me. And I was fortunate enough to <clears throat> work professionally as a dancer for about 12 years. Um, and then uh, the world of dance and the career of a dancer started to catch up with me. And, um, it goes without saying that being a professional dancer is really, really hard on your body. And it's the, it's the part of being a dancer that people don't like to talk about. But I started having pretty significant issues with my hips, my knees, my back, my shoulders. Um, I'd always been a, a very active, uh, dancer in terms of tumbling and gymnastics. And so, you know, I had been doing stuff on very hard surfaces, <laughs> concrete and all of that, you know, it adds up. And so with that, I became really interested in, um, longevity. How, how can I continue to dance? Because dance is something I love to do. And that was what led me to physical therapy. And, when I realized that there was all of this knowledge in the physical therapy world that was designed to help people keep doing what they love to do, whether it's dance or golf or CrossFit or even yoga, um, I thought to myself, why don't more people know about that? And the reality is that there's a perception around physical therapy that's something that we don't really think about until something really bad happens. And so that 
in conjunction with my background as a dancer and an artist and a creative, we kind of merged those two things together. And we said, let's create an experience where we bring all of this beautiful knowledge and science that's focused on longevity, but present it in a way that doesn't feel boring. It doesn't feel clinical. It doesn't feel medical. And let's do it in a way that, um, allows people to access this knowledge in a preventative way and not waiting until they have a big problem with their shoulders, their knees or their hips as, as I kind of had to navigate. That is so brilliant. So smart. It's, it's genius really. In fact, I've, I've had my own um, opportunity to work with PT and um, getting right down to the foundation of where the pain was coming from. It's just such brilliance. So why do we need to reframe our relationship to movement? Yeah, it's such a good question. Most people, um, and when I say most people, it's, it's roughly around 75% of the U.S. population. Their, their relationship to movement, if you ask them, hey, do you want to go for a walk? They say, oh, you know, I would, but my knees hurt or my back hurts. Or you say, hey, let's go, let's go check out this place. Well, are there stairs? I, I just hate stairs, right? Now, there's a, there's, a, there's a population that just absolutely goes bananas for movement. You know, these are active lifestyle people. They really get a rush. But the majority, what we call the general population, a lot of times their relationship to movement is, is, is fraught with um, connections to discomfort, right? And we don't think as a society about movement the way that we think about, for example, a bubble bath or a massage, right? If you ask somebody, do do you want me to massage your feet or do you want me to take a bubble bath? People say yes, because those experiences are pleasureful, not even pleasurable, but full of pleasure. And we say, oh yes, I love this. And we all have any, like many things that we find pleasureful, right? But for most people, movement is not one of them. Movement is something that they think I should do. I really uh, need to be moving more, but I don't gain any pleasure from that. And so If you can reframe the experience around movement such that you find pleasure in it, guess what? You become super consistent with it. And as we all know, the key to long-term change is what? Consistency. So this is why changing your relationship to movement to something which is pleasureful is the key to maintaining a consistent, regular behavioral change. Yes, the mind-body connection. (laughs) Yeah, I always tell people, you know, people are very consistent with their morning cappuccinos. You never have to, you never have to like (laughs) ride somebody and say, did you, did you remember to do your cappuccino? No, because you're like, I, I, I derive pleasure from the cappuccino. And so I'm very consistent every day. I have my cappuccino. So Ryan, what is pain and what are the biggest myths we should address? One of the things that is so shocking to me is that 96% of medical schools have zero pain education. So these are people that are coming out with doctoral degrees and they don't actually have any education around pain, right? And so there's an old way of thinking about pain, which is um, if you if somebody comes to me or comes to an osteo, uh, an orthopedist or a chiropractor and they say, I have pain, the question is, well, just how do we fix the pain? How do we get it to go away? And so in the past, there's been four kind of ways that we approach it. We either cut it out, 
we burn it out, we inject it, or we freeze it, fuse it. But the reality is that pain is actually something which is pretty beautiful. Imagine that your smoke detector is going off in your kitchen, and it's annoying, and it's not comfortable, and I say, I hate this sound, I hate this sound. Can you get it to go off? Can you just get that sound to go off? And of course, yes, you can go up and you can take the batteries out and you can get the, the, that sound to stop. But there's a problem. There's a reason that that smoke detector was going off. And it probably has to do with the fact that your kitchen was on fire. So if you put the focus on the fact that the smoke detector is going off and you say, just how do we get the smoke detector to go off? Right. Or another way to think about it is that you're driving down the road and you see the check engine light. Ah, oh, God damn it. Because, you know, I wanted to go on this road trip and now I got to deal with this check engine light. But thank goodness that the check engine light went on. Right. Because it's telling you, hey, there's uh, an issue with the transmission. There's an issue with the oil. And you got to look at that. And then guess what happens? The smoke detector turns off the check engine light goes off, right? And so pain is a signal from the body that something is amiss. Pain is your, is your body's threat detection. There's, there's something going on, right? And so this idea that we want to just kill the pain or we want to, uh, you know, take a painkiller or an anti-inflammatory and just get the pain to go away um, doesn't really address the underlying issues. So we understand that a lot of people don't have education around what pain is and understanding that pain might live in your knee or your hip, but it's also connected to your nervous system. It's also connected to the way that your brain processes it. And so this is what we call the biopsychosocial way of understanding pain. And when people understand that their brain and their nervous system are connected to sensations that they're feeling in the body, this is a game changer. Simply having that education and knowledge, what do we say? Knowledge is power. And so when you understand how my brain and my nervous system are connected to sensations that I feel in the body, this is huge for people. Have you ever walked into a, a, a room or a party or a situation and you see somebody that maybe you have a little bit of beef with and all of a sudden you have this like, Ugh! like, stomach pain? Well, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you have an ulcer. It means that your brain is communicating with your stomach and creating this threat detection. And the same thing happens in your knee. It happens in your back. It happens in your shoulders. So everything is interconnected. The bio, which is the muscle and the bone, the psycho, which is the, the mental health, and even the environmental, the social, what your living situation is, who are you interacting with on a daily basis? Are those relationships positive? Are they supporting or are they negative and toxic? And those will often... Uh, turn up the volume of the pain and make it more intense. It's really a incredible perspective that you're bringing to us. Okay, so what is the link between longevity and the quality of our lives? Wow. I mean, if you think about it, we have this idea of lifespan, you know, I'm going to live for 80 years. Um, but there's a new idea, which is health span, which is the number of years where you feel good, where you feel healthy, where you feel vibrant. And so when we focus our relationship to movement, not on something abusive, this idea that I have to punish my body, I have to whip or burn or torch or rip or shred or cut or smash or grind our bodies in the name of health, when we shift it to how do I move my body in such a way that I can increase the health span to 
the same length as my lifespan. Because the idea is when you get older and you ask people, what is the most important thing? They always say mobility. I want to be able to move in a way that is pain and injury free. So if you focus your relationship to movement on sustainability, longevity, and finding a relationship that, as I said, was pleasureful, then your health span and your lifespan can be one and the same. And this is the, the connection between longevity and the quality of life. Because again, as you get older, I talk to people, you know, six packs are nice, but as you get older, you really want to be able to be independent. You don't want to be uh, relying on a, you know, a, a caretaker to help you go up and down stairs. You want to be able to move in a way that's pain-free, injury-free your entire life. Wouldn't that be amazing? Amazing. So what is biopsychosocial hospitality and why is it so important? Yeah. So one of the one of the interesting things that we found with regard to health is that it's it's simply not adequate simply to focus on somebody's physical um, experience, right? Because last time I checked, your brain is also an organ within your body, right? So we have to also look at making sure that people feel as though they matter, that they care, that they're seen. It's not enough to just say, do, uh, you know, 500 jumping jacks, right? So there's the bio, which is understanding how do we, how do we serve the people's physical experience, how do we also serve people's psychological experience and create a space that's mentally and not toxically healthy? And then we also have to understand that our feeling of connectedness is directly connected to our mental and our physical health. People who experience loneliness, anxiety, this is one of the primary contributing factors to mental health issues as well as physical health issues. So you have to take a three-pronged approach. You have to show people in, in a hospitality sense that we care about your physical experience. We also care about your mental health. And we also care about making sure that you feel welcome and socially connected. Unfortunately, there are a lot of spaces that exist in the fitness world that feel very exclusive, that feel very... Um, inaccessible to a lot of people. So one of the things that we do, for example, is just change some of the vocabulary. Um, we, we don't say that it's a body art class. We say that it's a body art experience or it's a body art session. The reason we do this is that the word class comes from the word classification. And you have upper class, middle class, lower class. You have top of the class, bottom of the class, best in class, worst in class. And so when you use the word class, people subconsciously ask themselves, where will I be classified in this class? And there's a teacher. And what do teachers do? They give you a grade, right? And so when I say this is a body art experience, which is co-created by all of us, Colby's going to bring some energy, Sabrina's going to bring some energy, Ryan's going to bring some energy, and we're going to make this beautiful experience together. And that's why our experiences, um, we, you know, we welcome people who uh, have um, 
a wide variety of backgrounds, whether it's um, autism spectrum or cardiovascular trauma or, you know, all different types of, of, of backgrounds and experiences have something to contribute and we create this beautiful experience and we don't feel classified. Beautiful. So how does sustainability relate to the human body? When we think about sustainability, there's a conversation right now. Uh, Colby, you live in South Florida. You know that there are a lot of people who are looking into uh, the ocean, the health of the ocean, keeping the ocean clean, the waterways clean. And so we have now compostable straws, uh, recycling, all of these uh, initiatives are designed to help maintain the, the the health of the earth sustainably, right? But there's not a lot of conversation around the internal sustainability. How do we make sure that people's shoulders can last for the next 10, 20, 30 years? The number one reason why people quit doing the things that they love to do is because of chronic injury and pain. So we have to take a sustainable approach, not an abusive approach, right? So as I mentioned before, the goal is not to whip your body, burn your body, torch your body. The goal is to make sure that your shoulders, your elbows, your knees, your hips feel amazing for the next 10, 20, 30 years. So having an approach that's directly like bullseye focused on sustainability and longevity is absolutely critical and key. So can you share success stories or examples of clients or students who have benefited from your guidance or expertise? One particular story comes to mind, and this was a woman whose whole energy was very, um, I would say, rigid and sort of protected. And so we started to work, and I didn't really... um, Cry, but over time I started to notice that there was a softening in her in her her physicality. And one day, she came up to me and she was she was crying, and I said, "Are you okay?" And she said, "Yes." Did you have some kind of lavender on your hands? I said, "Yes, I did." And she said, "It's the first time in twenty years that I've been able to smell something." And I said, really, can you tell me more? They didn't know why, but her, her ability to smell kind of disappeared. And she said, I'm, I'm wondering what happened. And a lot of the work that we do has to do with the myofascial connection and the myofascial connected to the sinuses all the way down the back of the body. And over this period of time, we were able to release a lot of the tension that was being held and allowing the sinuses to then come back into function. And that's really what physical therapy-based training is all about, bringing people back into function. And that uh, was, a really, was a really powerful and, and reaffirming um, experience for me because I thought, okay, I think we're on to something with this because it's, it's a really different approach to the way that people have often thought about movement in the past. How amazing. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, that was, that was a... You're incredible. Your, oh, thank you. Your, uh, it's, it's, really, it's really such a gift. It's such a higher level of understanding. Oh, it's unbelievable. I can't wait to have you come to an experience. 
We'll be there. Definitely. I can't wait to be with you because you, your energy is just fantastic. And, um, movement is so important to me and, you know, just seeing it in, in my kids, in, in, you know, my partner and, you know, my family members and my friends and, you know, to be able to really talk, you know, in a informed way and, and you're informing us today. So we really appreciate you. I love that. So I want to get into kind of how people, how people can find you and do you offer group sessions and one-on-one sessions or both? How, how do you work? Yeah. So we've, we've been working in a corporate capacity for quite a while. So we, we facilitate experiences at Google and Citibank and, uh, KPMG Unilever. That's actually how I know our friend Beth. Um, but then we also do uh, one-on-one sessions. So if anybody's interested on one-on-one sessions, they can send me an email at info at bodyart-studios.com. And now we're also offering live in-person experiences. Anybody who wants to join, send us a text. We do everything via SMS. You can uh, text the word schedule to 917-810-3075 and you'll get an automatic link which invites you to all of our upcoming um, experiences. Incredible. I can't wait to be there with you. And yeah, it's going to be so good. I, want, yeah, the, I feel so left out. I, I mean, I feel like I could transform my body if I came. Well, Colby, what about this? How about I send you, how about I send you something that you can do in South Florida? I, I will do that. You, you, okay. As long as it's, I'm not going to kill myself. I got three little kids. I'm, I'll be good. You'll be, you'll be, you're in good hands, my friend. You're in good hands. (laughs) 